Are you a leader in customer success, pre-sales, professional services, support? Do you work behind the scenes and roll up your sleeves to make sure that customers are happy? Renew. Then this is for you. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Welcome to the GSD Podcast. Getting it done. Services, success, and software. We'll talk with the pros that have been in the trenches, getting service teams off the ground, launching new types of groups to service customers, or running agencies that don't have a product attached to it. For the pros, by the pros. This is the GSD Podcast, and this is your host, Jeff Kushmerick. Hey there, it's Jeff. Uh, thanks for dialing in again today. We've got uh, a new series. Uh, maybe we've done a couple of these before, but I haven't really highlighted. But wanted to talk to some people who uh, were at the executive level that were dealing with all of the client success issues, um, but then decided to hire customer success and talk about what's worked and what hasn't worked and everything. So have got Steve from uh, Growth Lab Financial, an awesome company that does financial as a service. Um, and uh, we talked about a bunch of things. And uh, my big quote we got out of that was, um, we just want things to be boring again. <laughs> so that was great. Um, so having, having a good listen and, uh, I'll try and stop stumbling my words and let you guys get onto the interview. All right. And we're good to go. So I've got Steve here from Growth Lab Financial. Cliff, you know, I was on your podcast, uh, you, uh, or, or there's a couple of you, you and Dan, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was a blast. And that was live too. So that was like, <laughs> just making sure I wasn't swearing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we, we've, had a, we've had a few guests that, uh, that, that I'll just tell you, that, that was not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> just passionate. We're just passionate people. Passionate. That's right. <laughs> so Steve, tell me a little bit, obviously about yourself. And then um, I was fascinated when, when I heard about your company and what you guys do because it's such a need that's out there for, for SaaS companies, but not just for SaaS companies and everybody else. It's, it's a great model, one that I've kind of modeled myself a little bit uh, along the same lines of as well, too. So um, you've got the yeah. floor and then we're going to get into some case study stuff um, and talk about some actual applications of uh, customer success. So. Cool. Yeah, well, thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah, Growth Lab Financial Services or Growth Lab as we're rebranding. Um, we right now are a finance as a service company, a marketing as a service company, and probably soon to be have some more HR services. But, you know, like similar to you, Jeff, and I, you know, I, I've come to the conversation that we had on our podcast, uh, Raw Take for CEOs, focused on startups, right? Focus on those companies that, you know, because Dan and I started Growth Lab in a similar way that, that you, you've gotten started, like take your experience in larger companies and bring them to the, the, the small biz, the startup world, where that experience and that, um, that value is just not either not present or, you know, really, you really need to infuse that into the DNA of, of your customers. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how Growth Lab got started eight years ago was Dan and I, very different backgrounds. I come out of the startup world. He comes out of more corporate, uh, corporate finance 
Uh, and you know, we joined forces and brought our strengths together to uh, yeah, help the, help the startup world, uh, especially in the early days, grown quite a bit, but uh, help startup world understand how to manage finances, manage planning, accounting, and be able to have those conversations with investors, with your board, with your team uh, on an ongoing ongoing basis. So yeah, um, I my personally. Uh, I came out of the startup world in Boston, Cambridge, yep. and have just uh, enjoyed being able to help lots of companies grow and scale. Yeah, it, it hasn't. Well, I was gonna say it's changed a lot now. If you haven't been to Cambridge recently, but just, yeah. just a, a lot more restaurants, I would say. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's amazing. I, I had not been in Boston in in so many months. I've driven through it so many times, but uh, yeah, yes, it's amazing how much has changed over the last. Well, couple. what happened was that all the startups were in Cambridge and then suddenly it's Google, Microsoft, and, um, and then a couple other big ones. Yeah. And, uh, and then suddenly Boston became the startup place again, where you've got all these, <laughs> all these office buildings where it's crazy. So awesome. So yeah, just a quick note on that recap. I, I really liked it because it really emphasized the fact that, you know, startup founders, they go out, they get money and if it's their first time through, not even if it's their first time through, uh, they, they might know how to get the product like they get built or get the dev people, but then it's everything else to run the company, right? And, and yeah. you know, for, for me, it bumps into like, okay, now we've sold some stuff. What, what happens now to the customer? <laughs> and then for you guys, it's probably coming in even a little earlier because they need all these systems in place. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I find that uh, like I, I would, would mirror that, you know, they, they raising money is number one because if you don't raise money you you can't continue right yeah. either the founder cannot personally continue without going without a paycheck or there's just you know he can't he can't move forward um but so often it's it's kind of playing catch up after that and you know i i say you know some of our best customers are the ones that have been through this before right because they they know their strengths they know their weaknesses they know how to assess the people around them yeah. right so whether it's customer success whether it's finance uh, if they know what they don't know and they, what they do know, they know when to lean on you and how to leverage outsource providers, right? Um, but our job is not not for those customers because those are the ones that are just easier to work with. But it's the, those that, that don't, you know, it is, their, it is their first rodeo and, you know, they're navigating this for the first time and it's a challenge, um, you know, because if you've, whether you've been in big business, small business, now you're running a business, all the different aspects of it from, from HR to capital raising, to reporting, to board management, um, to customer management. It's just, it's a lot. Oh yeah. Does it, do you, is there a place where you stop where, where you're sort of like, we're tapped out here. You need like, you guys are going public, you need something else or, or, or do you just kind of try and ride with them straight through to an event? Yeah. Good, good question. Now we, we, our job is to help them grow. And, you know, we know that we will work ourselves out of a job. That is technically our, our job. And, you know, the good thing that I like about our business is that, you know, we have the bookkeeping, controllership, FPNA, CFO, tax. We have a lot of different touch points with the customers and you know, all under one roof, which is, you know, makes for good efficiencies. Yep. Um, but it also means that as they come on board and as they leave, it's a process, right? So for, from a business risk standpoint on for growth lab, you know, I can bring them on for bookkeeping initially, they can grow into the planning side of things and the tax and the CFO. And then as they outgrow things, they probably go in the same order, right? They're going to bring a bookkeeper on first or a controller and keep us as the CFO so that, it, you know, there's a process coming in and going out. So I, th I think it, it works well for us as a business yep. as well as for the customer. That's great too. Um, you know, when we were chatting on, on, on your podcast and, and I didn't expect it, you guys kind of went into some, some use cases where, 
when you guys actually realize that, like, oh, wait, we have to talk to our customers. Or, or not even that, but like, um, yeah. Yeah. maybe you need to formalize it, I would say. Um, and so there's, you know, getting into sort of like a, almost like a case study is, is I'm trying to have a little series on those. Can you explain For to sure. me like what happened? Like what made you open your eyes one day and be like, oh my God, we need to, we need to put somebody in to fix this. Was it churn? Was it just unhappy customers or? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And uh, we love talking about it. Um, uh, for us, it was, it was a few, it was a few things. Um, back when pandemic hit and PPP hit, you know, we, there was one Sunday that we often re refer back to that um, it was probably two Sundays into COVID and there were five of us in the office and we were there because, you know, we were, we were all like wondering what this thing was going to do, yeah. but we needed a plan. Yeah. Uh, we needed a plan for what we were expected to happen. And I think a lot of the success that we've had coming out of there was, is because we were, we were there and, and, uh, plan for what customers are going to need some help, what customers are going to fail and what customers are going to be, you know, completely fine. But one of the things that came out of that is we, we were like, Hey, we've got resources around the table. We got marketing, we've got, we've got delivery and they're not going to be as busy, right? Cause we're not, we can't plan to, to, uh, have new business coming in the door. It's just people are not going to be buying new, new, new services. So we've got to deploy them somehow. Right. So we started doing, uh, our podcast was eventually came out of it. We started doing a lot of content development and we started getting customers in different ways than we historically had, right? Historically, we, we'd gotten referrals. We've gotten more organic growth. Um, but we started getting people that had no, didn't have a clue who growth lab was. So their expectations coming in, um, were a lot different, right? They, they didn't, oh, this is, this is, you know, this is, uh, I've got the experience with my friend over here who used them before. So their experiences were like, they wanted a lot more, right? Yep. And I think if, if I can trace it back, trace back to one customer that was, that was a great fit for us, but it was an ideal customer came in from straight up marketing, yep. but it was not that, not that initial customer, right? So kind of translate this to like startup world or SaaS world, right? You got your first few customers and like, you know them well, they know you well, you're both willing to like give a little bit, right? Cause you, right. you know, you're beta customers. Yep. Um, but that was kind of the mentality, right? Okay. Um, different kind of service, right? Finance as a service, but it was, it was like, Hey, you know, this, this is going to be rough for the first few months as we get in, know you, you get to know us. Uh, we uncover things that we didn't know about during the sales process. Yep. Um, we uncover like stuff that you did in the past that you shouldn't have done. Uh, we're going to get all, all lined up. So that was kind of like the first mentality, right? But the point, the, to your question, like, when did we know we needed to, like put together customer success. It was when we started getting customers that didn't have that history with us or didn't have that relationship and their expectations were higher and we were not quite ready to deliver against that. And we had one customer in particular that, that, that churned quick. And it was one of our first kind of cold, uh, the marketing team delivered cold to us, right? Yep. And it closed quick and it was great. We were all pumped and then it went downhill. Uh, and that was when we really realized, hey, you know what? We need to, you know, Dan and Steve, and Corey cannot be the only people that are like responsible for managing accounts, managing customer success. We need to build this as its own kind of piece of the, of the business. And for us, it was also, we were expanding our services to mm -hmm. go back to the SaaS world. So we, not only do we have accounting and strategy, but now we have accounting strategy tax and we're, we're differentiating accounting into bookkeeping and controllership. So customers might have five people that they're talking to at Growth Lab. And there, that led to customer confusion as well. Uh, so, yeah. so we, need to, we needed to yeah. centralize some of that into uh, a, a structure for customers. Absolutely.
Now, if you don't mind me asking, are you on a subscription model at all, or is it more of a, a yearly, or, or or how is your sort of financial setup in that way? Just just the the corollary here, just for, for SaaS, is it's always so important because uh, if you sign up for one year, they're just going to pull out after eight months and switch over to the next people, basically. So right. Uh, so we we do basically most of all of our business is uh, fixed monthly fee, okay. and um, our job is to you know be an extension of their team. Uh, we want them to be happy, right? The last last thing we want is somebody locked into a year-long contract that uh, you know that they uh, want to leave in the third month, right? right? Yeah. Um, so I, I won't I won't go out and limit state policy, but yes, we do have twelve-month contracts, sure. but that's for planning purposes. You know, we have let people yeah. out of those you know, early that we're unhappy because if you're unhappy, I'm going to be unhappy. Let's face it. Oh yeah, no. In the in the SaaS world, we we call exactly you have the, that's just yearly. That's ARR. But uh, even though it's monthly, it's like no, oh, no, that's just that's a year contract and everything. So it's funny. But uh, yeah, it, it, I, I've never seen where you hold the contract over somebody's head either. Like you, you you've already done the. You're not going to get somebody's renewal if you're forcing them to. Be a yeah, I'll leave that to I'll leave that to AT and T. Like true. Like <laughs> oh man. So have you noticed, well, actually, before we even get into that, so um, you, you needed that one throat to choke, right? Because you've got controllership, accounting, just all these sort of different financial services that you're providing for it. What did you wind up doing? Was it successful at first? Did you have to tweak it along the way, et cetera? Um, yeah. Um, so what we did, and I think you tell me if you see similar things at uh, customers of your consulting business, Yep. is you find somebody internally that knows the customer, knows the business and is able to navigate because it, it's not just being able to build relationships. It's also some of that technical understanding of what the service is so that when you're bringing them on board, what, what they call onboarding or orientation, yep. uh, we, we landed on orientation. Okay. Um, uh, but whether you, you know, whether you bring them on board or you're helping them ask, you know, deliver on the technical side, that person knows can navigate the relationship as well as knows how to help them navigate this service within Growth Lab. Perfect, perfect. So we brought we, we brought somebody uh, up to kind of move them around from from marketing into uh, uh, into customer success. Nice. And actually, since we've talked on the on our podcast, uh, starting to kind of like move that back into more of a production production role. Oh, so, okay. Interesting. So how long does it take a customer to get oriented? Is it like a day, a week, a month? How, what's the standard expectations around that? Yeah, so kind of uh, the orientation usually takes about a week. Okay. Um, but we keep them in customer success and onboarding for probably one to two months. Oh, okay. uh, and so our kind of uh, cycle, typically, if, if you're coming in for bookkeeping and accounting, it's a monthly cycle, right? Yeah. So I want to keep you in that onboarding stage for at least one cycle, okay. if not two. Because at that point, you know, I've got 80% to 90% of the hidden stuff that you have as a customer uncovered. <laughs> and I want to uncover that before I hand it to the line team. Because the line team is just going to do the monthly, month in and month out. Yeah. Anything, anytime there's a change in scope, that should go back to customer success. So if it's not in our standard operating procedures, don't do it. You know, employee, kick it back to customer success. You have to have a conversation with the customer or just say, nope, just keep on, keep on going. Yeah, no, that's super smart. That's, that's the best practice. We call that the burn-in period because um, there's such a pressure to get people launched so you can transition them over to a different team so you can then orient or onboard or implement all one term. Uh, 
the, the next batch of customers that come on and everything. Right. So you're kind of like, you guys are live and good. And it's like, no, let them get through a payroll, get through, uh, you know, that, that sort of two week cycle. Uh, it's usually two weeks or a month. It, it depends on what the business is for, for the yeah. that I work with, but uh, definitely the ones that are dealing with anything in finance, it's, it's getting through like two payrolls and you see, you find all the, <laughs> All the oh no, we pay California tax for this one person, and then we got this union law over here, and then all that stuff and everything. So, pay, pay, uh, we, uh, we had a payroll business uh, at one at one point, and we sold that. Uh, and it 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 was it was payroll is, is challenging. Yeah, and and it's 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 actively changing. I know the not topic of this conversation, but uh, it's interesting how it's changing. In oh yeah, no, time. I mean just as a, as a note. Just when I was at Virgin, we actually did touch people's paychecks just to do deductions and things like that, or actually put money back into it. And the second, that's so emotional, right? And so, and, and I'm saying that from a customer success people, that's why you need people with empathy because, you know, somebody's calling in and it's a bug and everything like that. It's it's affecting their their livelihood. Yeah. They might, <laughs> they might have like, you know, written a check and all that stuff. It's just, it's, it's a very... Uh, delicate thing to be in so you definitely need people with empathy uh in that role as well so yeah awesome definitely. so any net benefits like were you tracking or do you track retention and churn and things like that uh yeah i mean we we definitely do uh overall we have a quite a uh a long kind of lifetime value of our customer yep. um on average probably five six years okay. um and you know obviously that's kind of brought down by some of the startups that uh, don't quite make it, but um, it's one of the things that kind of we we pride ourselves in over the years, and which is why that that one customer in particular that came on and left within three months, uh, why that was so like eye opening for us, um, because we have had some just good success in uh, in that keeping customers uh, satisfied, happy, uh, and and growing with us. Have you been in contact with them at all about like, because those people, when I come in and consult sometimes, I'm like, can yeah. I talk to that customer? <laughs> like, no, no, talk to these guys. Everything went great. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I need that churn customer to talk to, to see what the issue is. We call right. it, by the way, the, the term, well, you're probably familiar with the term. It's now being applied to customer success, specifically implementation is the trough of disillusionment, right? Because, um, you know, you hit that thing or everything's super cool and that's the sales cycle. And then suddenly if you don't meet those expectations then suddenly you're, that's where they are. They're like, this is terrible. I, I made a terrible mistake, you know? And <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, a trough di disillusionment. That's good. I like that. So we have continued to kind of monitor monitor that. Uh, I think it's been it's been a good net net move for us for sure to yeah. uh, bring customer success into its own uh, kind of right, so to speak. Um, you know, we're always our our kind of motto is we want things to be boring again, right? We want accounting to be boring. We want planning to be boring because when it's boring, customers expectations are being met, right? It's when when you're putting out fires. That's when that's when expectations are going up highly volatile, right? Yes. And uh, so we want everything to be boring again. I think feel like for us, customer success is getting boring. Um, and oh. there's there's uh, you know, Corey might listen to this and be like, screw you, Stephen. It's like, <laughs> my days are not boring. But you know, he's done a great job of standardizing things, establishing communication from our team to the customer, from the customer to the team. So people are kind of more um, attuned to how we need to deal with customer success to the point where we can bring other team members in and say, here's the process. Um, and you know, it doesn't need Corey at the top. It can have 
um, our, you know, our, our, our ops and uh, guy who does a great job managing customers, yep. um, but he's not as much in terms of like blue sky thinking, right? Um, that kind of mindset now is where we can bring some of this customer success and say, here's the, here's the process, let's just do it. Yeah, and two, two things. First of all, I, th I think you coined the podcast title as Make It Boring Again, which is fantastic. So, but I totally know what that means because like it's just, it's your hair's on fire all day, every day for these startups if they don't have this problem solved. Um, and for, for project managers, because I think customer success is part like account management. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Part project management. I think project some project managers live on that, like oh, live on that fire, right? Oh, it's, uh, trust me, I, I had that gig for a couple of years and, and, you know, it's boring. When it's boring, I'm bored. And then like, what am right. I doing? Like, oh, there's a thing I'm going to go chase down. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, interesting on that note, um, I'm not sure if it came up in our podcast, but when I usually come in for these startups, they're people are doing everything, right? Customer success is everything post-sale. So Zendesk tickets, um, mm -hmm. uh, implementations, uh, chasing down, uh, you know, product features, you know, because the roadmaps, right. you know, been promised. And then, you know, when are they, when do they find the time to do the QBR and the, and the good customer success stuff? And so th that's actually one of the first things I do is like, let's try and decouple these roles because also for scaling purposes, um, since I'm on my soapbox, like, you know, CS resources, they, they cost a certain amount. And if you're going to go 2X in a year um, and you've got four people and you're looking at yep. eight, you're like, oh my God. But like, well, let's take a look and make sure that they're only doing the most valuable work. And for right. project management aspects, yeah, you can get some lower cost resources. I'm not saying they're, you know, bottom of the barrel, but, um, but there's some people that can come in and manage a project and make sure that everything goes off smoothly and chase stuff down so that your CS people can do that more, more valuable work. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's so, so interesting because where my, where my head's going right now, Jeff is, is, uh, yeah, there's, there's two ways to make money, right? You leverage people or you leverage capital, right? right. And, and what you're just talking about is leveraging people, right? Those, the, the, the reason you need customer success is the founder can no longer be the person that's doing everything. And so right. they need to bring somebody else on. They need to bring somebody else on that has that higher level of customer success. They cost a certain amount of money yep. so that they can try to establish establish processes and try and make it boring so that you can bring somebody in that's more entry level yep. to manage the Zendesk tickets and only you know run two of them up the flagpole out of every 10 right. instead of 10 out of every 10, right? That's that's leverage. And, it, 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 and then you get to the point where for small startups, and I've got a customer that's like going through this in the last year yep. um you know they're, they're a small team but they got a lot of potential and they don't have the management framework or that organizational structure yet to be able to manage those like entry-level people right, right. Uh, and and so that's and that's the, that's the challenge right is trying to bring on and not spend too much money right. keep your burn down yes. but bring on high enough level people that can establish management framework so that you can bring lower level people to do the do the work yeah I would probably hit pause on this just to continue, but I'll let it roll and then I'll see if I need to edit it out. What I like to preach for startups, well, what they like to do, so I've adapted to it, I should say this, is when I come in and work for them, um, they get that process where, and this is not an advertisement, this is just to explain the concept that we're talking about. Like, so so they can, I can, if the process has been created, they can bring in somebody that's maybe a director level, player coach, 
to follow that process and then they can manage people underneath it versus saying like, oh no, we've got to bring in a big expensive VP, SVP, C-level person. And then that person's going to put the process in place and then be super bored, like yeah. super bored. Totally. There's not enough for them to do where it's like, no, I've got this massive team and 10 VPs reporting to me and things like that. So, and I, I found that that works better because it's like, it's, it's nothing, it's, it's, a, it's a process, right? Like it's not, it should not be, all those startup founders think it should be like, it's, they're not super unique for what you need to do to customer success, right? You need to get them launched, um, you know, in a sustainable manner. And then you need to keep them happy by listening to them with empathy and then yeah. um, responding and then making sure that they see one most important thing I should have said from the top is making sure that they see the value in your product or service. Right. So, so that's the most important thing there. So, um, so yeah, that's well, one, one soapbox thing. I think what uh, founders don't typically do is they, they do their financial planning and they do their, their uh, product planning, but they don't do their eight, their org structure planning. And, right. and I think it's, it's so it's important to hit in five years. Here's what I need my customer success department to look like. Yep. And if I want to be there in five years, Here's what I need to do to get there, right? Because in three years I can bring that VP on, yes. but in this year I just need to bring on a director. Absolutely, I'm so I love talking with finance people because it's just such a different perspective. And usually I work really well with them because I deal with financial numbers and things like that. They don't think about that. Usually they get support hired. Support's usually in the dev PNL, and so it kind of like, oh, okay, we got a little bit bigger PNL for the dev and everything. Right. And then like, literally you see like, okay, we can spring out like 80K, right? And you're like, okay, do we hire one resource? Do we hire two 40K resources? Like, what do we need to do here? And, and then, you know, you have to kind of prove to them, like, um, since we're talking finances, right? Like what's, okay, what's your, what's your average, um, what's your average sale, right? What's your AR, normal average ARR to be, right? Like, or your, your monthly, right? So let's say, customers 100k a year or even better startups or 50k a year and you're losing 10% of them okay well then you get some easy math there saying yeah. if we can even save a 50% reduction from that you could you should at least spring out to 300k to uh to, to break that is my math good on that one I gotta it's not I'd, 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 I'd have to spin up a spreadsheet but <laughs> <laughs> for all those of you taking notes I'm not the math expert but uh I yeah spreadsheets uh, I'm running life and everything but yeah, that, that's 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 a great insight that you provided there from, from data. So, don't yeah, we've we've in, we've definitely doubled down on customer success and you know, tried tried to make it boring again for for us. And I think you know for for our, our, our customers, it's it's helped us see kind of some of their challenges in, in a different way. Oh, from yeah. from from me personally, at least. That's awesome. And so, has it gotten boring again? It's getting there. Yeah, actually, this week we had some of those conversations. <laughs> it's something I like because. I just, I'm sorry, I laugh because it happens like on a weekly basis. But you have these stressed out teams, and I'm like, you're gonna wake up in six months, three to six months from now, and you're like, remember how terrible it was in March? Like that was terrible. It's not terrible anymore. And you're gonna be bored. You're gonna be like, oh, I got another meeting. So a couple of quick things before we wrap up. Are there any things you would suggest not to do? I think it's a really strong strategy to uh, hire your first customer success person internally. Okay. So I would say for me, I would always say, look internally first. I love that. Yep. Uh, secondly, on that same line, if you can't, don't have anybody internally, look, you know, try and poach somebody. So yeah. like you need somebody that knows your business. 
Yeah. You don't need somebody that knows customer success. You need somebody that knows your business. That's more important than like, like project management, account management, in my in my view, because they're going to be able to be more successful if they know you, if they know your business. That's uh, yeah. I was on a panel yesterday where that exact same thing came up, and there was a startup founder, and he was debating that exact thing, and he's like, "I just want somebody to come who's passionate about this space." And then the the alternative viewpoint was, "You just need to, you need somebody who's really good at customer success," but. If you're on fire and then they don't know the industry, oh my God, it's, it takes a while. Um, a couple of my customers, they're in their six months and they're still trying to like understand the use case. Why are they using our software? Like they get the, the basic marketing bullet points, but not that like, I've lived this life. I know your pain, so I'm going to make it better. No, right. that's, that's a great point. That's awesome. All right. In terms of what, what else not to do, it's a good question. What else not to do when you're, when you're starting customer success? Yeah. Is that uh, how, how do you, I'm curious how you answer that question while I, while I give it two, two, two seconds of thought. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, everybody, sometimes people say we just need a better tool, right? No, yeah, right. Like, oh, what <laughs> tool should we be using? It's like, okay, well, do you know? Okay. So then it rolls back. Like don't focus on tools, focus on the process, right? So if you are a sustainable business, um, and again, soapbox stuff, but it should be kind of like a little waterfall like you can show it in a nice little spreadsheet, like maybe a little Gantt chart, like this happens and this happens. Maybe they're not all linear, but at the end of the day, we'll hit this 30 day mark and everybody's going to be happy, right? So if you haven't flushed out like what your actual onboarding steps are, like, you know, that needs to be number one. So everybody focuses on tools. What you said again about domain knowledge is the other thing. Um, the other thing I, I say is also focus on the pre-sales process, right? Are you qualifying the right customers? Because if your churn is because mm -hmm. of you're bringing the wrong customers on board, just adding CS isn't going to help. It. Um, so, you know, if you're selling this big enterprise thing and everybody's coming in at like 5k a month, then you can't sustain it and they're churning because they're not seeing the value in it and you're very commoditized. Like, you've got to qualify better. So, so that's, that's the other thing. Like look for the other areas. Are you bringing the right customers on as well too? Yeah, no, I think I, I would second that. And from our own experience, it's better to reduce the number of customers you're bringing on board, like get rid of those customers that are not a good fit. Yeah. At, when we're, when we're all starting out, we just take revenue, right? right, right. But it's better to call your pre-sales, right. And not bring on as many customers do that before you start customer success. Otherwise you're just giving them a, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, something that's already kind of going downhill. Oh yeah. I, I was, I was shocked. I, I, the smartest board member I've ever seen was at a startup, um, about a year or two ago and they, the company had hit that point where they took a ton of revenue and they pivoted and they moved upstream and they were constantly getting churn from these mom and pop shops, basically, which nothing against mom and pop shops, but they're just like, well, yeah, we're not seeing the value because they're like, okay, we're not going to charge 5k a month. Now we're going to charge like 15 because the, you know, that's what it, it looks at. And they were actually seen as being cheap and, you know, people weren't signing up because it's like only 5k, you know, a little perception right. of value issue there. And so the board member said, anybody that is of these, um, you know, uh, facets or these, these, these uh, sort of variables here, don't count them as churn because we need to flush out these customers. So if you have all these people dropping out because they signed up for $1,000 a year and now we're charging X, Y, and Z, it's not churn. Track it, but like we're not, we don't want to see that as net negative churn. And I was just like blown away. Like they're basically saying, don't focus on these people. Call them up, be friendly to them and say, hey, listen, you know, 
you know, this is the deal, but like, um, you know, one end on a good note, but we're, we're going in a different direction and we very much value your business right. and everything. So I was, I had never heard that before. And I, I was like, that is super smart if you could pull it off. But it was, there was, they had way too many of these, of these, um, you know, smaller non-tier people they wouldn't be selling to anymore. They would yeah, never be qualified. It was the same products, but it was a different products. Yeah. And I think, you know, you need people that are further, they ha you know, have some perspective on your business. Cause when you're in the business so much, you're like, I'm just selling the same thing. I'm just charging three times as much for it. And yeah. yes, you are selling the same and you're charging three times, but because of that, it's a different, different customer persona. And therefore, you know, if, if this was a, a SKU product, it'd be two different SKUs. Right. Uh, and so don't think of it as churn. It's, it's smart. Like we can have churn on the old products and churn on the new product, but they're two uh, different metrics. Like and we're, we're expecting churn on the old product to be hundred percent in three months. Exactly. Because, because we don't want that customer, right? Yeah, exactly. And they said uh, one year, like in this year, this is what we expect to see. And then after that, we'll, we'll focus back on that. So, so those were my sort of quick hits is that it's not yeah. always the obvious thing. Everybody thinks it's a bad person or a bad tool. And then sometimes it's these, you got to kick over some rocks to figure out some of the real issues. So. Yeah, I think those are some good nuggets. Uh, I, I, I'm a big proponent, like tools don't make change. <laughs> they can enable it. They don't make it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And, and, and also tool like every everybody wants to really operationalize the CS function and these people are busy and and you know you should be looking at tools to reduce the workflow so um, I keep seeing you know posts like oh what's in your CS stack now and I'm like oh my god like it should be like the CRM maybe something else but you know not all these bells and widgets and tools and, and things like that because otherwise, yeah. If you're spending too much time doing data entry and you, you're just taking time away from focusing on your customer and stuff. So, yeah. Totally. Great. Anything else? Any other wise words of wisdom uh, before we wrap up? You know, it, it, it's just keep on keeping on. Yeah. Like once, once you, once you, are, you know, once you can kind of, con you know, take into account that you, you, you as a business owner need to make these changes, you need to make these investments, it's, you know, Take the time, as, as always, spend the time in, in the business, but make sure you step back and spend the time on your business, whether that's at board meetings or whether that's, you know, Fridays or whether that's uh, every other week you take a day, but make sure you focus on the business because if you're in it, putting out fires, you're never going to be able to like design it to get to the next level. Right. Uh, you won't, you won't be able to see what the competition's doing. You won't be able to you know, to have that big picture view of things because you're just looking at in the weeds. And, and I was hoping you would say that because that's exactly where we want to wrap up because some people are just like, no, I, I, nobody's as passionate about it as I am. I, I need to keep in touch with the customers and everything. It's like, there's so many other things that you need to be doing right now. So. Yeah, challenge yourself to get out of it, right? Challenge yourself to get out of it because that, that's the only way that you're going to be able to grow. You're right. It's, it's harder to do that. It's easy to get into that, like, you know, you know, mousetrap and just yeah. keep looking for the cheese all the time so awesome well, cool that's been fun jeff yeah same here we'll have a great weekend i tell you what we're going to do a couple quick logistics things so i'm going to stop here but um stop the recording i'll just wrap up on one quick yeah. thing so thanks so much and uh anybody that wants to uh hear more about what you guys are doing where's the best place to find you uh growthlabfinancial.com or any of the uh the, the uh, social channels feel free to reach out to us there me personally steven at growthlabfinancial.com love to hear from you awesome Okay, one second.